1: This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus.
0: Before you can get down to business, it is important to have a proper greeting. Not unlike an entree before the main meal. Not unlike calisthenics before a rigorous workout. And in today's segment, we're going to have such a greeting, a powerful Apostolic greeting. Stay tuned. Our series is entitled, Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding 2 Corinthians, a verse-by-verse commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. Why do we call this series, Heartfelt and Inspired? Because that's exactly what we're going to get in 2 Corinthians, the follow-up to the epistle of 1 Corinthians, of which we already have a series with Understanding the Bible. Paul is going to show himself not just by his powerful intellect and his inspired spirit, but he's going to open his heart. In today's world, it is actually pretty popular to open your conversation, to tell all, to spill out your guts. People really like it. They may not have liked it in times gone by, but today they love it, especially if it's somebody who's perceived to be successful, but they are candid about their struggles, their fears, their problems, their setbacks, and so on. When they basically say, look, this is what I faced in life, and God helped me, you can do the same. That is a great consolation. We'll learn about that, I believe, in this particular lesson. In fact, we not only call it heartfelt and inspired, it's, it's heartfelt because Paul is sharing his heart on a sleeve, and it's inspired because it's the Word of God. And because it's the Word of God, it's eternal, it is practical, it is, of course, inspiring, and it is transformational. You put it into practice and you'll live a new life. But before we can get down to the nitty-gritty, we need to do the calisthenics before the workout. The calisthenics, in this case, is the greeting. And I call this lesson the great or comforting apostolic greeting. It's not just a greeting, it's an apostolic greeting. And it's not just the same apostolic greeting that Paul gives, like he does in his other epistles. In this greeting, he's going to comfort the Corinthian church. Now remember, in the first epistle, he's more or less telling them off because they had, well, basically they were sinning. They were in a carnal mode of schisms, faultless doctrine, tolerating sin in the camp. But because they repented, or most of them did, Paul now puts on, or not puts on, (laughs) Paul demonstrates the merciful side of God, as God's messenger, as God's representative, and he is comforting and inclusive and even has nice words to say eventually to the man who was with his father's wife. So it's because when people repent, mercy and salvation and deliverance and revival are the portion. When people stubbornly refuse to acknowledge sin and guilt or somehow deflect and blame everybody else for their own misdeeds, then yes, mercy is not the portion. So anyway, what we're going to do is we'll look at this great, comforting, apostolic greeting. You need to have the greeting before you get to business. I've learned in dealing with East Asia that business usually is around a meal, lunch or dinners, occasionally breakfast, and we never even talk business while we're eating the food. Only once the food is finished, then the serious business begins to have discussion. Well, we're going to get into serious business not very long from now. But here we begin the verse-by-verse commentary of 2 Corinthians in this series entitled, Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding 1 Corinthians. So, I'm going to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 1 to 6. Again, the reference, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, the first six verses, 1 to 6. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same suffering which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and and salvation. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 6. Again, our lesson is called Comforting Apostolic Greetings. Verse by verse commentary begins right here. Chapter 1 verse 1, introduction. Here, Paul says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. So he mentions who he is, the office he holds, whom he serves, and how that happened. Basically, Paul is sent as a messenger of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was made possible by God's will, not by man's choice. The apostles are always God-chosen, God-empowered, and God-deployed messengers. The verse goes on to say, chapter 1, verse 1, that Timothy, our brother, under the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints, which are in all a So Timothy now is mentioned here. And though he has, of course, a very big and responsible role. He's merely called a brother. He's not called an apostle, not called an elder, not called a pastor. He's called a brother, which of course is what he is. That's what Paul is too, for that matter. And the epistle is addressed to the church at Corinth, but also to the body of Christ in the greater region of Achaia. Now remember that Corinth is due west of Athens. And so Achaia includes Athens, which is the capital of Greece, but it also includes the area of Sencria, the port of Corinth, which is on the eastern side, because Corinth, being an isthmus, had two ports, one on the east and one on the west. So it's a wide catchment area of saints that Paul is addressing here in 2 Corinthians, but at the same time bearing in mind that it's you know wide enough to include many But it's narrow enough to speak of their specific situations, which, by the way, there's nothing new under the sun, says Ecclesiastes. What they faced in Corinth, (laughs) we face today. Nothing new under the sun. Until we firmly and finally deal with the flesh through the cross of Jesus, spirit-filled living, and the Lord's second coming, we will have repeats of some of these circumstances in the 21st century that happened in the 1st century. In verse 2, of chapter one of second corinthians it's a standard phrase grace be to you and peace from god our father and from the lord jesus christ now paul wishes the corinthian church grace and he wishes to them peace but always it's the divine version of both grace and peace what we see is you cannot have the peace without the grace because any peace you get without the grace will be merely a human kind of peace, which is limited, temporal, and flawed. But when you have the grace of God, you also have divine peace. And that peace is expansive, it's permanent, it's holistic, and it's eternal. That's the peace that Paul is wishing on all of us, not just the church at Corinth. And we learn that this peace is made possible by God the Father and from God the Son. In the Greek It uses the word from Apo. A-P-O. Apo. And Apo is basically implying indivisibility or oneness between the Father and the Son. It's not like they're talking about two different entities. We're talking about one God and two of the three persons in the Godhead. The Father and the Son. So, basically, by saying Apo, from the Father and the Son, it is implying the divinity of Christ. Then we have a very wonderful description of God in 2 Corinthians 1, verse 3. It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. So we are basically not just being blessed with grace and peace, we are also reciprocally blessing God. And can I just say, friends, if we could have an attitude of Christian maturity, rather than standing and basically expecting if not demanding that god bless us morning noon and night that's what we do when we come to christ and we feel very needy but as we build our lives on the rock instead of expecting and demanding that god bless us morning noon and night let's take the blessing we've already received which of course has been bountiful and merciful and abundant and wonderful and let's start blessing god and blessing people in return And let's try doing that morning, noon, and night. Because I've discovered that the more God pours into you, the more you should, by rights, pour out to others. And the more you pour out into others and to God, blessing them and ministering to them, God and people, the more God will pour back into you. You'll never run dry as long as you stay over the spout where the blessing flows out. And that spout is the open heaven where God can be found. So Paul understood all this. That's why he's blessing God. No sooner does he bless the saints at Corinth, he's blessing God. In verse 3 of chapter 1 of 2 Corinthians. Blessed God. And the Greek word for this is eulogatos, which means well spoken of. So he calls God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Other places of the New Testament, the Lord is referred to as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. While in no way diminishing the proven divinity of Christ, God also refers to the Father as his Father and his God. So it's not that we have three gods, it's not that we divide the Godhead, but we do need to recognize or distinguish between the personhood of the one God, because the truth is, unless we do we're in danger of worshiping the wrong God. And there's nothing, in my opinion, <laughs> that's a greater waste of time and eternity and resource than worshiping the wrong God. The New Testament, indeed the whole Bible, points us to the living God. And He reveals Himself to us. It's not for us to dictate who God should be. That's presumptuous. That's arrogant. No, it's God who freely chooses, unilaterally, to reveal Himself to us via His Word, His Holy Spirit, His Prophets, His Priests, His Kings, His Apostles, and all the rest. So we bless God. He's called the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's called the Father of Mercies. And let me say, God is just. He will reward every right and he will right every wrong. But he also is merciful, and God delights in mercy. Never forget that. He is also called the God of all comfort. And it is this latter phrase, the God of all comfort, to which we will explore. In verse 4 of Second Corinthians chapter 1, he gives us comfort for all seasons. And this is what it says that God comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. So God comforts us in all our tribulation, whether they're self-inflicted or whether they just come because the devil wants to stop us in our God-given call. Regardless of the reason, God is there to comfort us. The word comfort comes from a word called paraklesis, Paraclesis. Paraclesis means advocate who comes alongside to strengthen and encourage in time of need. That's the very word that Jesus used of the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of John, I believe chapter 14, when he calls him the comforter, the Paraclete, the advocate who's always nearby, who's ready to to speak and defend on our behalf. So this comforting presence of God is because he is with us, his presence. He gives us in his presence peace. He gives us power. And one of the benefits is that we will be comfort filled. There's being spirit filled. Now there is comfort And by being comfort-filled, we're able to comfort others who are in trouble using the same comfort we receive directly from God. Remember this, effective ministry can be described as being positioned to receive and give of the overflow of God's abundant grace. I want to repeat that. Effective ministry can be described as being positioned to receive and give of the overflow of God's abundant grace. Now, there is consolation in the midst of suffering. Verse 5, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Two remarkable and contradictory things happen to the believer. When they receive suffering, simultaneously they get consolation. That the latter, meaning the consolation, can't come until the suffering arise. But since we are in a painful fallen world, There will always be a source of suffering this side of the kingdom of God. God's grace means there will be plenty of comfort and plenty of consolation for believers if and when suffering arrives. Then finally, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 6. Paul makes this elaborate statement, and whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Hear what the apostle is saying. As I said earlier, ministry comes from the overflow that we receive from God. If the apostles suffer, is for consolation and salvation of saints. Apostles are our role models. We learn and take heart at how they handle things. In essence, their stiff upper lip. When the apostles are comforted, which of course they will be in their suffering, again, it's for what? The same thing. We get comfort, we get consolation, we get salvation. Either way, what happens to the apostles, suffering or consolation, works to the benefit of the saints. Now, for that, we should be profoundly grateful. He is the God of all comfort. But before we can receive that comfort, we need to receive this great, comforting, apostolic greeting. Grace and peace. Bless God. He is the God of all comfort. That's a good summary of our portion here in Lesson 4 of Understanding 2 Corinthians. Now, what is our lesson for life? Our lesson for life is comfort comfort. And deliverance is always present when a believer suffers. Recognize and act on this so you can receive your great victory. Let me repeat that. Comfort and deliverance is always present when a believer suffers. Recognize and act on this so you can receive great victory. Remember to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education. And thank you for liking our page. Also, sign up at our homepage for the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter with articles on scripture, Christian living, and current events in the light of God's Word. Friends, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. You are the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, and you're always there to stand alongside your people, to comfort them, to fill them with your presence and comfort and Holy Spirit, and to deliver them. As the psalmist said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Thank you, God. You're doing the same for us because you never change. You care for all. You have mercy and delight to have mercy on all. For this, we praise you through Christ Jesus.